This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Okay, we get to the bridge of the Stratoblaster. What do we see? Okay. The bridge is lit by a pinkish purplish glow. All of the monitors show cartoonish images of the asteroid belt. Oh no. And you hear a, and you see a familiar purple dwarf hovering in the air and he spreads his arms wide and he says, I'm back. It's me. Zorky. Son of a bitch. I shoot him. That never works. Doesn't matter. I shoot him. Seriously. Okay, just like last time, your plasma disc becomes a colorful butterfly a few inches from Zorky's torso. The dwarf pulls a frown and says, is that any way to treat your friend? Well, you're not our friend, Zorky. You're nobody's friend, Zorky. Ouchie, you're wounding me. No such luck. By the gods, I hate this guy. Whenever he's around, all the fun disappears from the game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a sec. Do you guys really not like Zorky? I mean, like... Jerry and Bob, like, I know your characters don't like Zorky, but, like, do you guys not like like Zorky? Yeah. he's a cosmic jerk. Oh, ooh, wow. I didn't realize that. I wish we had a way to discuss that. And with that, welcome to the 457th episode of the Mr. Mark podcast. Tonight we discuss using cosmic jerk in your tabletop role-playing games. On the way, we're going to take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitter, or Twitch, sorry, before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. All right. Also, we would like to just point out as a friendly disclaimer, Mr. Edgar Mark does not endorse or condone the use of Zorky anytime or anywhere. <laughs> can, can we trademark Zorky? Drop him in your game. We'll make some stats. We'll make stats for Zorky in any system you want. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's a hard no on this one. Hard no. All right, time for our temperature check. See how everybody's feeling, Phil. Physically, feeling good today. Was a little wiped out the last uh, day and a half. I have been boosted. Um, I am also now a um, I am also now a vaccine chimera. Uh, having now both uh, received the initial Pfizer and got a Moderna boost. So, and on top of that, my natural antibodies from having COVID uh, in October, I am like the Long Island iced tea now of antibodies. Like I'm like just a whole bunch of shit thrown in a glass, but I'm feeling better. I was exhausted yesterday. I, I will say, even though they said it was only a half dose from the normal dose, I didn't have any other symptoms, but I was like, I was exhausted all day yesterday. I took like, I, I took like three naps yesterday, essentially. Like it, I was pretty wiped out. So prepare yourself. That, that was, that was kind of my, not quite as bad. That was my experience. I had my um, booster last Wednesday, just the day after the show and had a similar thing where I had, I had the flu shot and the, the COVID shot. And two days later, I was, I was just tired. I was like, not like collapsing tired, but just I could feel myself. I was tired all day. And that was really it. Didn't stop me from doing anything. Just felt tired. Oh, I, I, I came, so. I, I came home. I made dinner for my daughter. I took her to Taekwondo. I dropped her off at Taekwondo. And then I came home and I slept for like two and a half hours. I woke up at 10 yesterday. I did like, I, I packed for Thanksgiving 
And then I laid on the couch and watched How I Met Your Mother for like a couple episodes and then just went to bed. <laughs> like that was my whole like that was my whole night, man. I was like wiped out. Anyway, physically, I'm fine. I feel much better today. Um, I have only the rem the slightest remnant of the arm pain from the initial injection. It was really sore yesterday. It's pretty much gone now. Uh, and mentally, I went to therapy today, so I'm actually feeling pretty good. Like therapy was, uh, therapy was good. Helped me kind of focus on a, a few things, um, and uh, kind of you know put some like stars into alignment kind of things. So yeah, I'm doing all right overall. Uh, Babo, Babo, how how's you? So uh, <clears throat> I got my booster and my flu shot today this afternoon at twelve thirty. Um, and my right arm where the flu shot went is sore as hell already. <laughs> Other than that, um, I've been having this, I, I'm apparently I don't have my reflux under control because I've been having a real problem with reflux issues and coughing from it. Um, mm. so I'm on the cough drops again for the show. Hopefully I won't break down like last week. Um, mentally, um, I'm a pretty solid, uh, Six out of ten, maybe, maybe a seven. So not bad, not bad at all. Okay. Jerry, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm feeling pretty good. It's uh, just looking forward to a four day weekend. Yeah, um, I'm in pretty good, I'm in pretty good health. I'm, I'm awake and mentally. Um, it's been one of those weeks where I show up at work and then get nothing done all day, but get a lot of stuff done, just not what I planned, and that's okay. So as long as I get things done, just even if it's not what I want, so um, it's good. So I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Let's roll into the one thing then. So uh, at the request or at the suggestion of multiple people, I had queued up The Good Place as the next show that I was going to watch in uh, short form television for like, you know, watching during lunch and stuff like that. So since I finished Community, I started up The Good Place yesterday. Um, it's not going to make it to the weekend. No. <laughs> this no, show not. is so well-written. The characters are amazing. The story is amazing. Stuff is happening. Like, I had no idea what I was getting into. I knew it dealt with themes of heaven and hell. That was all I knew going in. And boy, <laughs> has this show blown my mind, especially certain points of it, where it's like, what just happened? <laughs> so I'm like, to the point where I started watching yesterday, and I was just going to, you know, like, watch a little here and there. And I kept going, oh, I need to know what happens next episode. Oh, I need to know what happens next episode. I got up this morning with 22 episodes in my, under my belt already. <laughs> wow. So, so 22 episodes yesterday. And today I killed all the way through the rest of season two and three. So I've got one season to go. I'm I like mean, baffled. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm just going to tell you I'm getting... Uh... I'm getting word from um I'm getting word from Senda and Andy that they can't see us. And I'm not getting um, any confirmation that something happened. You know what? I, you know what? I'm not I'm not seeing it in the chat. I'm not seeing it in the Yeah, it says we're offline. Okay, I don't know what happened, but after I went live earlier and we started the show, something happened and the stream died. I just restarted it. Okay. Um, okay. There we go. What we're, I mean, we're just going to keep going. People yep. who are watching us live will just join us where we are. That was weird. Um, mm -hmm. So that's fine. Well, then. Um, so that's fine. Cool, cool. Yeah. Like, we'll let that catch up with everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you you have slayed the good place. Yeah. Um, 
Very nice. Season season four left to go, and like I said, that that won't make it to the weekend. So uh, <laughs> and then I'll be looking for another show <laughs> to watch. Uh, Jerry, what about you? Uh, we played uh, the last of our story arc for Basin, um, which is the Free League Publishing, publishing um, 1890s uh, horror investigation game, which is a lot of fun with uh, GM and friend of the show, Glenn Seiler. And it was just a, a really good game. Um, Basin is kind of like Call Cthulhu or Chill or something like that, but most of the solutions have nothing to do with violence. Like, You've, you you can get killed and you can and, and you need to be able to do certain things, but um, the horror and the solutions are are more interesting. Like in this case, we we were at a uh, a haunted inn where a young girl was uh, basically being possessed by a ghost to uh, perform a really dark play, and people kept getting killed in the inn. Um, and it turns out that. Um, her great grandfather had murdered somebody there, and uh, murdered a witch there, and buried her body in an unconsecrated grave. So the actual solution was just go find the body, dig it up, give it a proper burial, and everything gets everything gets resolved. So it's not a case of you've got to go fight the ghost or anything else. Yeah, it's basically keep moving around so the ghost can't get you. Work as a team, solve the mystery, and then do the thing you need to do. And uh, so it was it was a good game with some interesting resolution. Um, there are some things you can fight in it, but most of the resolution for the monsters is going to be something like you've got to discover the folklore behind the creature and then satisfy that, you know, you know, maybe it's a, an evil fairy who just wants like, you know, eight pieces of iron that's been touched by a priest. Okay. So you gotta go find the iron and get a priest touch it, that kind of stuff. So it'll be those kind of adventures. Um, played very well. It's a free league game. So you know, the game mechanics are pretty simple, but fun. Um, just had a good time with it. So I'm looking forward to it. We're taking a hiatus till after the holidays, um, but I'm looking forward to getting back into that again. So it's just a lot of fun this week. Phil? Nice, nice, nice. Um, we started work on a new game um, that we're going to play. Um, so we're going to do this um, Cortex Prime game. Um, one, because a number of us want to learn Cortex Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, like we, like, we were having we've been having problems finding a game that really resonates. And after some discussion, we really talked about just like we all want something um, that is just super positive, like that's exciting to play, but like good people doing good things kind of thing. And so um, I had basically just half like half asked thrown out this idea of like super genius is traveling in a sentient spaceship solving problems for planets around the, like around the, the galaxy or something. And um, you guys were like, that sounds like a good idea. Like, what would that look like? So I was like, I don't have a clue. Um, so we have this, um, we had this session and we want to say it's session zero. It's like session minus two, um, yeah. <laughs> like where we just made up our background. Like we, we just sat down and we threw that, that rough idea on the table and we just uh, talked about questions like, well, what do we think that means? And what about this? And what about that? And eventually we came up with this, like, I think really kind of cool sci-fi setting. That's kind of a mash of a number of things. um, A number of things that I like. Um, It's got, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of, um, it's got a little bit of uh, season three, season four disco. Um, it's got a little bit of She-Ra stuff in terms of like first ones, 
Um, it's got a couple, like, it's just, I don't, we didn't draw directly from those things, but I think a lot of like things like that got put into the setting and it's, um, but essentially that's what you guys are going to be is you guys are going to be like super geniuses with the sentient starship flying around and like stopping disasters and helping people, um, and stuff like that. Um, so I have my work cut out for me because I actually now need to like write out a setting for this. Uh, and then our session minus one is going to be, uh, as a group, we're going to um, build the Cortex Prime rule set we want to use. And then we'll actually have a session zero, like where we actually like make characters, go through character gen and all of that. So I'm excited. Um, I re- like We don't really have a name for it yet. I've I've codenamed it Ox from the um, from the name of the ship Auxilium. Um, one of the things I liked, and I'll just mention this before we uh, bow out of the segment. One of the things I liked was we just decided that um, Latin would be our um, replacement language for all things from the previous uh, civilization. Like rather than making up words or whatever, we were just like, cool. Latin is the substitute language for all things from the, this other civilization. So I'm, uh, why Latin? I have no idea. Uh, Andy Fox is asking why Latin. I, I really don't know other than it sounds cool. I think Latin sounds pretty cool. I, because I think, cause one of the players really liked a bunch of things in Latin and just kept running with them. And it worked yeah. well for him. Yeah. It wound up just it was, like working, right? Like it just like, as yep. we talked about it, it was like, Oh, that, that word sounds cool in Latin. And so, um, and it's fine because it's not the default language for the game. It's the language of the um, previous civilization. And it'll be very distinct because then it's like quite distinct when we hear it or use it, that those words are, uh, what you call it? That's where those words came from. Uh-huh. Sorry. So, cool. Anyway, that that's my, that's my one thing. I'm like kind of psyched to kind of mess around with all this. Um, also, like we haven't done, I, I don't want to go too far into this, but like, we've been playing a lot of games like as written for a while, right? It's just kind of a thing. I mean, it's a thing I like it's, you know, I'm, I'm very much about, um, you know, in terms of understanding a designer's intent, like playing games as they were written. And I think that's cool, but like, we haven't played with a game in a while. Like we haven't like stretched some rule sets or made our own stuff or just kind of <clears throat> taken in our own direction in a long time. And I'm also kind of looking forward to that. Like I'm looking forward to just, uh, playing, like playing with the rule set, playing with the world, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking anyway, forward to this. cool. We should let's roll out and roll into some announcements. We have one. I think I think we have one announcement uh, for yep. this week, right? Yep, just one. Um, go ahead. Do you want to talk about? It? I can do it. Uh, take a chair. I just finished right. talking. Um, this is we are while we are recording uh, live this week, and this show will drop next tuesday there will not be a live recording next tuesday so um this show will be dropping um next week on the 30th correct and but there will be no recording on the 30th so there'll be no show dropping on the following tuesday however we will be recording on the following tuesday so there'll be no live show next week correct so Um, no show no show drop uh, so show drops on the 30th no show drops there'll be no show dropping on the 7th Though for our live listeners, you can come watch us live on the 7th of December. Yes. There we go. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. All right. 
All right. Well, that brings us to our feature segment. Phil, are you ready? Um, yes. Begin. Workshop, workshop. We're opening up the adversary files. It's the Cosmic Jerk. They're annoying. They're super powerful. There's nothing your players can really do about it. If you do it wrong, you're just going to torture them for a whole session. But here, tonight in the workshop, we're going to show you how to do it correctly. Yep. And don't suck. Man, I don't think that was my best, man. That I don't one think went that long. was my best. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I don't think I felt it. <laughs> We've had worse. Don't worry about it. So, uh, this all came up because in a previous episode, we talked about New Mutants Annual Number 3 from 1987. Uh, this focused on the appearance of Impossible Man, who is a powerful and annoying Marvel character who has an unlimited shape changing power. This got us discussing the challenges of that type of character, and this led us to a new category for the adversary file The Cosmic Jerk. So tonight, we're going to open a new file and discuss what is one of the trickiest types of adversaries to run well. So, let's get started. And of course, we're going to need to define this adversary before we get started, so... Behold! You are in the presence of Definition Panda. Well, hello, hello. Let's build a definition for Cosmic Jerk since there isn't one uh, in the gaming dictionary, starting off with the word cosmic, inconceivably vast. Uh, in terms of what we're talking about tonight, um, we're going to use cosmic um, as a short version of cosmic power, meaning an inconceivably vast power. Um, often cosmic power, if it is defined in games, includes things like matter and energy manipulation, like really broad sweeping uses of that um, power, like mm -hmm. large scale, like creating stuff from nothing, um, being able to, you know, create, destroy energy, matter, all that stuff. In essence, having this kind of power lets you do like almost damn near anything. Jerk. A contemptibly obnoxious person. I like that a lot, actually. It's yeah. a great definition. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. The person, the jerk, is annoying to be around and acts in ways that makes it hard to be around them. Um, a jerk may intentionally or unintentionally hurt feelings, harm people, those kinds of things. The merger of these two things is a terrible combination, which makes the cosmic jerk a contemptibly obnoxious person who has inconceivably vast power. Like a billionaire. Um, just saying. If you're looking for an Earth equivalent, a billionaire um, is like a cosmic jerk. Anyway, Jerry, there must be some examples we can draw on, right? All right. Um, now, unlike a lot of our other adversaries, there's not a ton of these. But we have some good examples from media. Um, the kind of the, the quintessential one is, of course, Q from Star Trek. Um, uh, the Next Generation, Voyager, Discovery, or uh, uh, sorry, Voyager no, no DS9, DS, DS9, thank you. Uh, we have Trelane from the original series. Who is, we have the aforementioned Impossible Man from Marvel. Um, some versions of Loki in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Mr. Mitzelklick from DC Comics, thrown in the side of Superman. Um, and then you've got some that have lesser powers, like uh, Alistar from the new Hasbro Hotel cartoon, the Great Gazoo from the Flintstones, um, Basically, these are people with, with vast power and uh, a tendency to just kind of annoy the, the main characters. So I have to say, before we jump into this, just yeah. going through this list, that much like Jerry, 
Um, I hate most of these characters in media. Like there has never been a DC, um, a DC comic or anything where Mr. Mixer Plick showed up and I was like, oh, yay. More like, oh, man. Like now my notable exception to that is Q, which is why we have anything to talk about in tonight's episode is because of Q. Nearly every example of uh, that we're going to talk about tonight about how to make the cosmic jerk palatable is inspired by Q. <laughs> Otherwise, most of the time, I'm just like, good grief. Not a surprise. All right. So we know who the cosmic jerk is now, but Jerry, what makes up the cosmic jerk? All right. Well, it's a tricky adversary to have in your game because the trick is you want there to be a challenge but one that the player characters have a chance of dealing with in one way or another. And so in order to figure out how to do that, we're going to need to dive into what makes the Cosmic Jerk. So here are some attributes of the Cosmic Jerk, starting with the two most obvious features. And there's more than two here. I mean, starting with. Yes. The first one is the the Jerk has Cosmic Power, right? The Cosmic Jerk has some sort of power. It's large in scope and magnitude, broad in application, right? In essence, they can just, they can do nearly anything. Um. Uh, they are way out of the character's power levels in terms of a direct confrontation, right? Like that's the cosmic jerk would be a thing that you could just, you know, blast into pieces. That would be a great solution. Uh, but in most cases, that is not anything possible for the players. All right. Second thing is that they're a jerk. Their personality is one that annoys the characters and most NPCs. And this could be for any number of reasons, but a good starting place is that they don't need anyone. Their power makes them self-sufficient, so they never need to be vulnerable. They never need to ask for help. And in most cases, these characters are self-absorbed, narcissistic, and selfish. Um, they generally don't have a sense of things like um, personal privacy or consent or respect. Um, they're kind of bullies. Yeah. They, they think things are funny, even if nobody else does. Yep. Uh, they can be omnipotent. Uh, vast power often comes with vast knowledge. The cosmic jerk may not only be powerful, but may also be a know-it-all, which only adds to them being unlikable. Um, this knowledge could be helpful to the characters, but it's almost always delivered in some sort of condescending way that's like that makes it not worth not worth getting the information. All right. Next, they're often immortal. Uh, their vast powers either grant them immortality or makes them very, very difficult to kill. And if so, they've lived a long life and accumulated a lot of experience. And this experience also feeds back into them being omnipotent. It's a bad cycle. Yes, it um, is. They are often bored. Mm-hmm. Turns out having unlimited power can get boring after a while. So the cosmic jerk uh, just starts heading out to look for new experiences. Um, and these experiences are often not good as they are inherently jerks and do jerky things. Yep. Sometimes they like to adopt things. Due to their incredible power level and sometimes near omnipotence, they often look at lesser life forms and take an interest in them the way that we do as pets, i.e. the player characters. This could also be what ultimately saves someone from their vast power and from their terrible personalities. Yeah. Uh, they often lack commitment. Um, If one of these adversaries was actually determined to do something, nothing can actually stop them. They're omnipotent, immortal, have, you know, unlimited power. Like if they just put their mind to it, like they could do it. Um, And because of their because of their vast powers, they don't really have to do hard work. So they're not really accustomed to doing hard work. 
Um, so they often put the minimal effort in and often that effort's fleeting, which also is the thing that will probably save the characters over time. And lastly, they may answer to an even higher power. While many of them look godlike to the characters, the cosmic jerk may not be the apex predator. They sometimes have organizations or groups that they answer to who may have rules that restrain the cosmic jerk. This may also be something that saves the characters down the line. Absolutely. So now that we know how they tick, Phil, is there an appeal to the cosmic jerk? Ugh. Uh, that's a tough <laughs> question. Because there's a whole lot of meh in this room right meh. now. <laughs> I think there's some appeal to this adversary, but I don't think this adversary is for everyone. I think that there are other entries in our file um, that are far more um, appealing. This is not one of them. I think the cosmic jerk is it's they're their most appealing when there's something actually likable about them. Um, and when their antics don't outright stifle the characters, um, when it comes to personality, like think about Loki and Q, right? Like there's a charm to both of those characters, even if they're jerks. Um, there are like a ton of, of good examples of like how Q shows up in Trek causes a whole bunch of chaos, but never inflicts damage directly to the crew, right? Like he doesn't like, just like take someone's arm off or like, you know, Mm -hmm. turn somebody into a head or anything like that. I mean, like one time he froze somebody, but like that was in the far point. Um, Like he could literally blow up the enterprise or the alpha quadrant, right? Like he, like that's, well within Q's power, but he doesn't, right? Like he attempts to quote, teach humanity, right? They're not ready for things by exposing them to stuff, at least in early uh, TNG, right? Um, and even that still sounds pretty bad <laughs> as, as, you know, as, as it goes. Um, so I think that when it comes to the cosmic jerk, like you got to go softer than harder with what they do since they can do nearly anything. Um And if you want them to be appealing, they can't nerf the characters, right? Like they just, they can't just come in and be like, I'm turning off all your powers, (laughs) right? Like nothing's worse than, and this is, I know Jerry and I both share this pet peeve, but if you're playing a supers game and your cosmic jerk shows up and immediately turns off the character's powers, that is not cool. Like that is not a fun afternoon of gaming. Okay. Anyway. So ultimately is the cosmic jerk likable? I think it's hard to say. Um, I think some people will like the cosmic jerk. I think a lot of people won't. Um, and if you have any shot of this character being likable, it is all in the personality. It is the trick to make them both a jerk and likable jerk. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the issue is why they can sort of be amusing um, is that there are times we want to, that they're amusing to read about or view. You know, when Impossible Man shows up in that New Mutants <clears throat> issue, Phil, you mentioned you liked the, you liked how Warlock kind of solved that problem at the end. Yeah. Um, you and Bob both really like Q a lot. Um, but while they're fun to read about, they're often not as much fun to actually encounter as a player. Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree, right? I think um, where normally we jump into the adversary files where we're like, you should absolutely run one of these in your game. I am more like, mm, I don't know. Like, maybe <laughs> well, you should run one of these carefully. We're going to talk about ways to use them in a way that won't annoy your players also. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds. Yes. It's still a tightrope, though. Yeah. It is very much a tightrope. Yeah. Okay. So if you're the GM and you're feeling bold enough to try to pull this one off, how do you best use the Cosmic Jerk in your game? All right. First, you can use his opposition. As you've been saying, they're a tough adversary to make a dribble for your players. Um, a little too powerful or too much of a jerk 
they're just going to feel hopeless. They're going to dread this opposition. So with that in mind, here's a couple of suggestions on how to make them a more workable adversary. Yeah. So first thing, give the cosmic jerk some likable personality elements, at least for the players, right? The, the characters may not like this, um, this character, but the players have to like this character. Mm-hmm. Um, think about Q in Star Trek. No one actually in Trek likes Q. The audience likes Q. Some of us do. Some of <laughs> even then, right? Even then, some of us do, right? Like yes. But it's not like it's not like Riker and the guys are like, oh man, Q's back. Like high five, right? Like his appearance in the show is always met with ah hell. Right. Like even Janeway is prepared for when he arrives the first time. Right. She's like, oh, I I went to a lecture about this guy. Right. Like no one's excited to see him. It's the it's the audience that likes him. So you got to do the same thing. You got to make your players find something amusing about this character. All right. Number two, they should not be openly hostile to the characters. Let's face it. If the jerk doesn't like them, they can wave their hand, just kill all of them off. Instead, the jerk has to have some reason for not being overly hostile. It could be that they secretly like the characters. It could be that the powers above forbid direct intervention. It could be that they see the characters as their only um, avenue of achieving something all on the way. Exactly. They're, they're not as direct opposition. They are there to sow chaos or create challenges. There isn't anything the cosmic jerk can't do. Um, but they are amused at watching lesser creatures have to deal with things, right? So the best way to think of this is like your cat and the laser pointer, right? Like you enjoy watching your cat run around trying to chase the laser pointer, even though your cat is incredibly frustrated. And I remember the first time I did it to my cat, my cat, I turned off that laser pointer. My cat stayed in the same spot for 20 minutes waiting for the laser pointer to come back. I felt terrible. Um, but that's how the cosmic jerk is going to like view the characters, right? Like, like, oh, look, run around, run in circles. Ha <laughs> ha, look, you're so cute. Look at you chasing that thing around, right? Um, so the jerk's going to create things for the characters to deal with and then observe, right? And if, you know, if you've really got a little gravitas to this, might also have a running commentary, right? Q was especially good at this. Like, as the, um, as the, you know, crew of the Enterprise was trying to deal with stuff, you know, he'd pop in and start saying something to Picard about it. Like, oh, it's looking bad, Jean-Luc, right? And, you know, and then you have to shoo him away kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the Cosmic Jerk is a really good way, though, to do some off-the-wall things in the game, like change genres, locations, adversaries, um, tone, everything along the line. Think about the Q and the Cupid episode in The Next Generation. The session changes that that whole session just changes genre. And for that whole uh, storyline, it's just there so that Q can prove his point about Vash and Picard and um, gives them something that they can do that's a little different from the show. Uh, or in the episode of Tapestry, when Q allows Picard to relive his life and make different changes. And that's I mean, I love chance to do it. Was that? I, I love both those episodes. I don't like Vash, so it doesn't work for me. But anyway, I protest, uh, Captain. I am not a merry man. <laughs> That's still good. one of the still one yes. of the best lines in the yep. in the series. Okay, um, no one to show mercy with the jerk's antics. Uh, if you wind up overwhelming the players with a challenge, let the cosmic <clears throat> jerk just undo it. Um, the cosmic jerk is not a reason to have a TPK. 
No. Um, when the Borg crushes the Enterprise in Q Who, um, and Picard like turns and recognizes they need help, Q just solves the problem with a wave of his hand. Right? Yep. Just like whoop, it's all fixed. Not everybody lives, like not everybody who got killed lives, but he like returns the Enterprise, puts it back together, returns them safely to the Alpha Quadrant. Show some mercy. Like when you need to show mercy, show mercy. Yep. <laughs> He's still responsible for killing lots of people. Um, anyway, on occasion, you want to let the cosmic jerk help the characters out or give them some sort of a present. Because even jerks can sometimes be nice. It's part of their trick. Um, have them, often after creating some sort of chaos, Thank the characters by giving them something or using their powers on their behalf. Like when Q allowed Data to laugh. I mean, I love that scene. Um, if your cosmic jerk is going to be recurring, uh, you know, a fun thing you can do is turn the tables on them and take their powers away. Right? One of my favorite um, Q episodes is Deja Q, uh, where Q loses their powers. Um, and this often exposes that the jerk can't do much because of how much they rely on their power. Um, it also, um, lets the, it lets the player show the jerk that they're not as lesser as they think they are. Right. Like, I think it's a fun episode because, um, Q still helps with the problem and he ultimately comes up with the, the way to solve the problem, but he can't fix it himself. Right. Cause he's just like, Oh, just change the coefficient of gravity on the moon. <clears throat> right. And, and that inspires Jordy to come up with the solution, but um, but Q can't do it for them because he's without without his powers. And also a chance for the characters to show that they are not as spiteful as Q. I mean, they've got him at their mercy, and all they do is really lock him up. They don't take any sort of revenge on him. They don't abuse him. They don't they don't do anything horrible to him that they could have done when he was without his powers. Because yes. they're they're not those lesser characters. They're better. They're that's where they show once again that they're better than Q. Yes, they get the moral. They get the moral high ground on them. They do. I do love. Do. Um, I do love Guinan's test to make sure the Q's really mortal. <laughs> of course, stabs him with a fork. Understandable. All right, and uh, if your cosmic jerk is recurring, then give them more about the society, the powers above them, how they interact, who they might have to answer to, and what rules they absolutely have to play play by. Um, if they're going to come around, use uh, some of that time when they're there to explore some of their culture. Um, think about the episode in Voyager when Q's appearances had more to do with the issues regarding the other Q and the continuum as a whole. Um, gave a lot, a lot more uh, depth to the character. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, um, I, I think I think they did the right thing and they just popped Q in and out of DS Nine, right? Like DS Nine wasn't really the right tone for Q. Like they just no. popped him in, <laughs> popped him out. Yeah. Um, but I do think that. Um, the writers did a good job with Voyager where they were like, well, we can't do the normal Q antics. Like, like we've like Q's done all that stuff before. Um, we need to do some other things. And that one with the, um, I forget the name of the episode, but the one with the Q that wants to die. Yeah. Like that's a hell of an episode. It's like, really good. Like it may be one of the best Q episodes, like in the series, like in all the series. Um, and it's a lot more about the continuum and stuff like that than it is about Q being just a cosmic jerk. Cool. One final trope we can touch on, which as if this whole thing wasn't tricky, but this one's even trickier, is the idea of the cosmic jerk granting cosmic power to one of the characters. Like this could be fun, kind of, 
but it also can be prone to disaster. Yep. Yep. Uh, so if you're going to give a player unlimited power, understand that they may un- upend some of your campaign with that power. Even in a short amount of time. Yeah. Like, like you may be thinking like, well, I'm going to give them some power to like do a couple things. And their first instinct might be, I'm going to wish Baron Von Badass away. Yep. Like, they- but Baron Von Badass isn't even in this adventure. Yeah, fuck it. But I got like infinite power. Like fuck, <laughs> Baron Von Badass is gone. Sorry. Keep going, Jerry. No, that's exactly it. So you have to be ready to reverse that later. You know, find a way to reverse the snap. Um, yeah. Or just be ready to roll with those changes. Um, whatever you do, make sure you get those powers away from the character very soon. Or make that character into a new NPC. Don't let a player roam around your world with that power for more than a single story. Unless you're ready to deal with basically campaign changing consequences. And I mean, you'll be surprised how fast a a player can rack up those changes. Like your players have a wish list of things for the campaign. If you give one of their characters unlimited power, they will burn through that wish list very quickly. All of a sudden, all gold is highly volatile when exposed to oxygen. I regenerate at will i have i know all spells now yeah i have unlimited spell slots like the the number of breaky things that could be done with a player with cosmic power is um is pretty terrifying even the good ones like don't underestimate how much damage a lawful good character can oh, do yeah. absolutely with with unlimited power like i'm yeah. just going to create order for all of the world boom like yeah nobody yeah, it's, can it's ever a, die it's again walk. it's a tight walk because you you want you might want to give them that little taste but like you said you got to be prepared to take some of it and just flip it back once the uh the the cosmic jerk takes the power back or whatever like yep. we're just going to undo all of that or you know that you episode know, of star deal trek with the consequences where, yeah that What's episode that? of star trek where um where q gives riker the q power right <clears throat> This goes to Jerry's thing where sometimes these things are more interesting to watch than to actually have occur in a role-playing game mm-hmm. because Riker gets the power and is like, oh, I'm not using it. No, I'm not using it. Right. And he succumbs a little to it, but ultimately gives it up. Right. Yep. I don't think most players are going to give it up. Most players would try to do something in the moment immediately to do something impactful with all the yep. best of intentions usually. But like you said, this is this is one of those things where it could all go terribly wrong, or you may just have to deal with some stuff. If a character, like you said, decides, okay, I have cosmic power now, Baron Von Badass just dropped into a volcano, he's dead. Okay. Yep. Well, guess what? Baron Von Badass's number one lieutenant is way worse. Baron Von Badass always had a little tendency to monologue a little too much. He was a little bit, just a little bit unhinged, like goofy. And, and, you know, he would, uh, he would build in his own failures just by his actions, but his Lieutenant total rock solid, badass villain. And now he's in charge. What's the difference between, um, what's his face? Curly and, um, Johnny Ringo. Yeah. (laughs) Johnny Ringo is a way worse person. Tombstone reference, by the way, everyone. Yes. Yep. Johnny Ringo's a way worse person, and when yep. Curly dies, like it's not good. 
Well, yeah. Bill even comes out and says, I, I, I shudder to think what will happen when Ringo runs this outfit. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so all oh, that man, I want to I want to watch that again. Now. <laughs> you say that every <laughs> time we mention Tombstone. Damn, the consequences are part of the fun. It's such a good movie. All right, we got to get back on track. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So we have a handle on the cosmic jerk as an adversary. Phil, can they be an ally? I mean, sure. You could have a cosmic being be an ally. Um, Right? The thing you got to be wary of as an ally is like, it's super tempting to just have them solve every problem for the players, right? It's super tempting for the players to be like, Boy, this is hard. I wonder, you know, if Zorky could help us out. Hey, Zorky, right? Like, um, so like it's best to use the cosmic jerk as an ally. Like, if you're gonna do it, they have to be hard to reach and unreliable. Like, you can't summon Zorky just by calling him, right? Like, otherwise, the players like have like an immediate fiat that they can summon. It's way too dangerous. Um, and they absolutely cannot be a regular member of the party or easily accessible, right? Like they cannot, you cannot just get Zorky whenever you feel like it. Um, I think you even see this in the Flintstones, right? Like, I don't think like Gazoo shows up when Gazoo wants to show up, not when Fred and Barney wants Gazoo Mm -hmm, to show up. Like when they want him to show up, he's like always not available. Um, Right. You just, you just can't have the players reliably summon them, but you can have them occasionally show up and offer a hand, right? Um, I, I, Jerry, you got an example of like a good way to have them show up? Okay. Um, the party's about to be TPK'd, and the jerk shows up to tell them something that they found and just pauses time for just a second so they can stand there, kind of mock the players a little bit, harass them. Uh, but at the same time, the players are healing up and get their, get their act together so they can re-engage the fight and deal with, with what's coming, coming up. Um, maybe he, maybe the, the, the cosmic jerk even changes the stakes a little bit in a way that's amusing to them. Um, but does it such a way that the players have a chance to not just be TPK'd? Yeah. Like, oh man, look at you guys are in a pickle. Like, wow. Like, are you guys going to die? <laughs> like, dorky. Yes, we're going to die. Oh goodness. That seems, that seems terribly inconvenient. I need to tell you about this quasar I saw. Don't have them just show up and save the characters. Have them show up and give the characters a chance to save themselves. Yeah, like while he's showing you the the quasar, they're all like taking, you know, stim packs to heal themselves. Like, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, now that I showed it to you, I got to run. You guys have fun. And then time resumes. Mm -hmm. But they're all healed, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Um, so something like that, like that's a good place, um, for where the powers of the jerk can like, like, I'm sorry. There's a good place like where the powers like for the jerk have some limits on what the jerk um, will do for you. Right. Like if you can get a hold of the jerk, like the jerk may or may not like, you know, isn't going to just solve your problem like with a like the simplest way. Right. Yep. Uh, for example, I can make bad burn badasses vanish for you. But the council looks down upon direct eradication of lesser creatures, you know, minor people like Baron badass. So perhaps I could direct you to the enchanted blade that will help do the job for you without actually doing it myself. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I, I didn't I, I was I blanked on my own um text there. What I meant to say was like this is where the powers that control like that are above the jerk, like this is a good place for how to limit the jerk's ability to help out. Yep. Right? The continuum doesn't let you just wipe stuff out. 
Um, and I, that I think that, and I think that points out something that's important to have that we didn't actually point out here. The jerk should always have some sort of rules that it has to follow, whether they're self-imposed or whether they're imposed by somebody else or whether it's just something that they're not even aware of. But you need to have them have some sort of limitations or, or rules so that the players can have some way to outthink them at some point and make them follow their own rules. Um, even, even Q has this issue where there are some things that they won't do just blatantly. Uh, they're going to follow certain certain things, regardless of the chaos they cause and the in the, the the thousands of people that die because of their actions. They still follow certain kind of guidelines and rules. Yeah, for Q, it's often more that um, Q doesn't do stuff, or you know, they outsmart him. Especially um, Janeway outsmarts him by the um, holding the continuum over his head. Mm-hmm. Like the continuum will look like will look poorly upon this. Those are the rules they have to follow. Yep. Yeah, and that's I mean that's in the Cupid, um, I think that's the episode, right? That's um, like that's what happens. Q loses his powers because the continuum takes them away from him as a lesson, uh, right? I like Cupid, I, I thought Cupid was the. Was oh, the, I'm sorry, Cupid's one with Vash. Yeah, um, but Cupid, that that's the Robin Hood one, right? Yes, Cupid's yes. one with Vash. The um, uh, I forget. I just said the name of it. Like I think it was Q Who. Q Who, right? That's the one where the continuum's like you have broken some rules we're taking your powers away for a little while and they were content to let him die until he did something heroic and then they were that's when corbin birdson shows up and is like oh no like you've shown some sort of growth like we're gonna have to give you your powers back i like that the fact that corbin birdson also was a cue because if you ever watched la law in the 80s um corbin birdson was also a jerk on that show so it was very fitting that he showed up as a cue Anyway, um, okay, if the cosmic jerk is not all-powerful, um, uh, perhaps they need the PCs uh, to help them accomplish a task or overcome a different adversary. So, for example, Lord Mischief might be master of time and space, but this time they're up against something magical, and that's out of their control. So they're going to yank the characters into an area that the characters have to deal with a problem that Lord Mischief themselves can't deal with. Like, you deal with magic all the time. Solve this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So in all, having an ally like this can be a huge advantage for a group of characters. So um, you really want to rein in what the cosmic jerk can and will do for them. Like, this should not be an easy button for the game. Right. So that's our overview of the cosmic jerk. But we're going to take a break and check with the chat room before we do, Bob. As always, is going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yes, tonight we're going to talk about the Gnome Cast. A uh, bunch of gnomes from Gnome Stew get together, sometimes with special guests, to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and to avoid being thrown into the stew pot. Ow. True <clears> that. Good times. Good times. Good times. What do we got? I see the chat room's been talky. Mm-hmm. They have been talking. They gave, us, they gave us a bunch of good examples of some. <coughs> Sorry. Backlum, Backlum 23 mentioned another one from the DC Universe, Batmite. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Batmite is absolutely a character that, like, when it when it showed up, I was like, what the? Yeah. Turns out that Batmite is from the fifth dimension, just like Mixelplick. But apparently, Batmite is a fan of Batman and comes in, sets up weird scenarios so that Batman has to jump into action so that they can watch yep. Batman work. 
Um, but Batmite's a good example of the kind of character that you could use as an ally in your game. Um, and, and it's a great one for the comic relief ally. They come in and they're like, I'm going to help you. And then they fuck everything up <laughs> and it goes pear-shaped and you've got to deal with other consequences and unintended things and and everything just kind of like gets out of control. Um, the Queen mentioned Zelos from Slayers. Um, Slayers is a, is a Slayers is a D&D style anime um, about a very powerful sorceress, her slash warrior and her dim-witted bodyguard and the people they encounter. Um, cool. I don't know a lot about Zelos, but I remember the name. That's about it. But again, another character like that. And uh, Professor Fox uh, brought up a couple of things. One of them was when you, if you're going to give a player in the party ultimate power, what do you do with the rest of the party? How are yeah. they going to deal with it? Right. And the Queen pointed out something that I that I think was is good to discuss, which is when you give your players ultimate power, um, sometimes you need to also give them a really good reason not to. You know, they've got this power and they want to do something, but what happens if uh, they do it. And that was my joke about, you know, okay, nobody can die anymore, that sort of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, we're going to heal this person. There's always a consequence as you go on. You know, what happens if you decide yeah. to, like you said, what happens if you decide to bump off Baron Von Badass? Um, consequences and repercussions. You know, Baron Von Badass gets tossed into a volcano. Uh, and then the cosmic jerk comes back. Okay, well, now Baron Von Badass is just a fire-aspected undead lich now, so go for it. Um <laughs> Damn. But also things like, you know, well, now that Baron Von Bass, you toss him in the volcano, well, that magic item he had is now causing that volcano to erupt. Good luck. <clears throat> so, uh, very good questions. Very good questions. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump back in. We're going to continue talking about the Cosmic Jerk, starting with our roundtable right. discussion and question number one, Phil. Question number one, who is your favorite Cosmic Jerk in media and in a game that you may have played? I will preface this by saying I absolutely loathe the Cosmic Jerk. So it took me a bit to find one that I liked. Um, I like Alistor. Uh, they're a bored demon lord who is really only helping the protagonist because he's bored. He literally says so. But the only reason he's helping the main characters and showing up at all is because he's looking forward to watching them try to help people and see those people fail in front of them, in front of him. He wants to see people strive for, for goodness and hope and then watch their dreams crushed. And that amuses him. That's why he's there to help them. Um, and it's well known that he cannot be trusted, and that's part of the the the, the problem with it. Uh, that's probably the only one of media that I really enjoy, except for <clears> that Bob's going to mention. Um, in games, um, I again I avoid these like the plague in my games, but uh, in my VV campaign, we had a character named Sariad. Uh, they were the ousted ruler of another dimension. She was a very powerful sorceress, one of the most powerful magic builders in in the universe. She had the ability to warp space, time, and magic. Uh, she was also the mother, aunt, or grandmother to several of the player characters in several of the campaigns and had a dysfunctional relationship with her family. So she was likely to show up and um, basically put the characters in weird situations because she needed them to do something or because she was bored or because she really thought it would just be interesting to, you know, well, you and your brother haven't, you know, talked to each other in three years. Yeah, mom, that's because he's a super archvillain who tried to blow up the world three times. Well, you know what? Tonight you're going to talk. <laughs> and you know, uh, and he wouldn't come to you, so I'm just going to drop you into his lair and go for it. Um, it was basically my excuse to just move characters around and get them in stories. 
Um, the players liked her, so I brought her back a couple times, but that was really about the extent of it. Um, again, difficult to run with, but uh, I think other GMs would have done a better job with it. So, Bob? Yeah, as far as media goes, um, Phil and I were on the same page here, so I'm going to go to my 1A and say Loki um, because, I mean, Loki is – you know, God of mischief. I mean, what more needs to be said, especially when you uh, when you go with the uh, the MCU incarnation. Hiddleston just knocks it out of the park. Um, mm-hmm. It's he's one of those characters. Um, and before they brought him into the MCU in the comics, they were doing a lot of really interesting things with him as well. So I really enjoy the stories that they've been telling about Loki for like the last uh, like fifteen years plus. <clears throat> I couldn't think of anybody as far as a game that I've played in. Phil's got one um, from way back, but honestly, man, I don't, I don't remember how much impact he had. But I'm I'll not Phil... even sure, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not even sure. I mean, I'll talk about it in a second. I'm not a hundred percent sure even qualifies fully as cosmic jerk, but yeah. it comes close. Go ahead. Okay. Um, for media, I think mine is pretty obvious. Q. I love Q. Um, I have uh Farpoint, of course, is not his strongest moment, but I think that they've done a good job. I think I think the writers did a good job with him over the years. Um and I really like I I, I love John Delancey. Like yes. I think his portrayal of Q is fantastic. He is the correct amount of obnoxious. Um I love, you know, I love when uh I think it's when he gets his powers back and he like brings the mariachi band on board yeah. and you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I love all that stuff. Like, I think, I, I, I think it's good. Like, I like Q a lot. Um, and then I like older versions of Q. I also like Q getting punched by Cisco. I think that was yep. probably the most, um, you know, that it was so early into the, um, it was so early into the series, but it was absolutely the most Cisco thing possible Yeah, that Cisco just punches him right in the face. Um, and I, um, and while he's a little, um, he's a little creepy with Janeway, um, I, I do like that. Um, I do like where they eventually went with that, like with the, um, continuum and Q's progeny and stuff like that. So I'm definitely, a, I'm definitely a fan of Q. I'm excited for Picard season two. Um, from a game, I picked Dworkin from Amber. Um, I don't know if there are very, there are many different versions of Dworkin in Amber games. Um, there is certainly a version of Dworkin that, that, um, qualifies as cosmic jerk as Dworkin wields probably more power than anybody actually realizes and um, is either quite mad or just pretends to be quite mad um, to keep everybody thrown off guard. Um, but in terms of cosmic power, Dworkin's definitely wielding it um, or at least has it because you very quickly realize that any confrontation with Dworkin is not going to go your way. Um, so yeah, I, I did. And I, have played Dworkin a few times as the um, doddering old man who just all of a sudden tears a hole in reality, um, things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I like, I mean, I'll be honest. I like doing this topic. I do not routinely put cosmic jerks in my game. Yep. Like I, it is not a thing where I'm like, you know, you know, okay, well, checklist, what like things I should like things I should add to a game quick. I'm going to put a cosmic jerk in. It's not my first, it's not my go-to in almost any case. That, that being said, I think a good uh, next generation era Star Trek adventure, I think Q almost has to show up to be part of the tropes. 
if you're going to go full trope, yes. If you're going to go full trope, like if you're running a Star Trek game and you want to like hit all the tropes, yes. Mm -hmm. Q has to show up in your game. And that's where I wouldn't, that's where I think I would find it amusing as a player because that's one of those, you're buying into the whole uh, Trek thing. And so Q, you want to see Q show up. Plus, as you said, John Delancey is just charming. I think that that's part of why Q is successful is because if you played him like John Delancey's character, it'd be perfectly acceptable in the game. Yeah. Yep. Cool, cool. Um, how about question number two? Brings us to question two, which is what's the biggest challenge in running or encountering the Cosmic Jerk? Yeah, I think we're all on the same page with this one. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's. I'll say it. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, go ahead. Like, uh, you got to make this character likable to the players. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out, like, you got to figure out how to do that for your players. Um and I don't have a formula for this because it's all going to, it's all going to be based on who your players are and what they find amusing. Um, and I agree with Jerry. I think that um, having the cosmic jerk show up on a TV show is one thing. Having a cosmic jerk show up in your game is a very different thing. And this is one of the cases where um, these two medias do not track um, together, right? <laughs> these, this is a case where they deviate Um and the cosmic jerk is a much harder thing to pull off in a game than it is to pull off on a show when you are kind of in control of everything, including the reaction of the characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think the big thing is, as, as Phil put it there, I think a couple of things here that we kind of reiterate. Number one is don't make them the main adversary. Even in all of the times that Q shows up, Q isn't really the big bad. It's always Q involved in something else going on. Even mm-hmm. in Star, you know, and, and even in Farpoint. Um, Q is just there as kind of a, a, a as a storytelling hook, and from that point on, Q is introducing the big bad, but Q is not actually the adversary they have to overcome. It's whatever Q introduces, um, and I think that's that. But also, I think the flip side of this is pay attention to your to your players' reactions. Um, if it's obvious by the end of the first session with this character that they do not like it, just have them go away and don't bring them back. Um, don't bring them back again and see if it works again. Um, because you know there are there are. Like, I know you didn't. There, there, I know you didn't like them the last time, but yeah. you're definitely going to like them this time. You know there are GMs that I would trust. A couple of them here that I would trust to bring in this kind of character because I trust them not to just be annoying, frustrating, whatever. And there are GMs that if this character showed up, I would just be, you know what? I'll see you guys next week um, because it's just not going to be fun. It's got to be fun, and that's the thing. Make sure it's fun. Um, the other thing I would just say is. Make sure they don't nerf the player's abilities or actions. Even if they move them to another, you know, if all of a sudden you decide to take your Star Frontiers campaign and, you know, Zorky shows up and turns everything into an episode of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, they still have their powers. They still have their guns and that just works differently. Don't nerf what they could do. Um, And I would really not suggest that, but some players would enjoy that. Um, I will suggest that you are better off going in the opposite direction. If Zorky shows up in your superheroes game and shunts mm-hmm. them to a parallel dimension, mm-hmm. turn their powers up to 12. Like, like you are way better off having to just deal with the players running around with all their powers, like super jacked up than turning them off. Or have them in a place where their power, where they're the only ones except for the other adversary with powers, you know, Drop them into Victoria, you know, drop the X-Men into Victoria and London, but they're the only characters with mutant powers. They can have a ball there. Um, you know, Wolverine in the Middle Ages. Um, and of course, Batman in just about any time, but that sort of thing. 
Yeah, good idea. I like that idea. Crank them up. Crank them up. You're way better off. Like, mm-hmm. And you and I definitely have this pet peeve, right? I, I, We've shared this before. I do not like depowering characters nope. as a um, as a way to like shake things up. It's a shitty way to shake things up. Yep. All right. Question number three. What is your secret sauce for the cosmic jerk? Uh, I think for me, it's like you got to find a reason why they like the characters. Right. Because this is going to be an asymmetrical re- relationship. Right. The jerk is going to love the characters. The characters are going to dread the jerk. Um, but there's got to be a reason. Like there's something like they're spunky. They're something right. Like there's something about them. They're plucky, whatever that that draws them um, to it. In my teens, I didn't understand the um, in my teens. I don't think I understood in Star Trek what drew Q to the Enterprise. But now I'm just sure it's some sort of sexual mm-hmm. attraction to Picard. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that that's just that's just sexual attraction that Q that Q's exercising. Um, but you do need to find a way, right? Like there has to be a reason. Like why out of everything in the universe do they stumble upon the players and are like, you all are my peeps now. Like there's got to be a thing for that. Yep. Um, otherwise it's even it's even weirder, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, and you should tell the players that like when they show up, like I, you know, like, Hey, no one's ever gotten this far in the dungeon before, or no one's ever done that in my little, you know, test I created on the side of the road or whatever. Like you guys are, you know, you guys seem pretty, you know, I'm pretty curious about you all. Like I'm going to dig in and like, I, I, you know, you just made yourself a new friend kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's, that, 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 that's my, that, that to me, I think is like a big piece of what you got to work on for this character. How about you, Jer? For me, don't make them all powerful. Make them much more powerful than the player characters, but don't make them all powerful. Have a reason why they need the PCs. Maybe use their powers to put, put the characters in adventures they would not be able to do otherwise <clears> and then bring them back. Um, especially if you're, if your players have talked about something like, you know, gee, it'd be really cool to, you know, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, but you know what? We've never played a spell generator campaign, or I wonder what what dark what, what dark sun is like, or whatever. You know, this character shows up and puts them there for a brief time, you know, for one adventure to do something. And the oh, this is cool. We got to do this with our characters, and then come mm-hmm. back. And if they and if you liked it, then you can always go play that game again later on. But it gives a chance for everybody to kind of um, do something with their characters they hadn't done. Um, whether it, it doesn't have to be even going somewhere else, something the players have always wanted to try or do. Um, maybe even do something with the players. You know, the players had a massive loss and lost somebody and had no way to bring them back. You know, um, early on in your first adventure, Bargo kills off the the woman with the stick at the beginning of the adventure, and you really want her back. Well, this is a good way to bring her back for some reason, with problems, of course. Nice, uh, nice callback. The Bargo callback. Yep. Bargo, for some reason, Bargo and, and whatever her name is have been trending on 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 Facebook for the last couple of weeks. They've been talking about that and character reactions. Where this tells you my age, my whole thing was cool. I don't have to split the loot. Um, so different act, different reactions. But yeah, seriously, like give them some reason to do that. Give them something. Make the players like something that they did. It doesn't have to necessarily benefit them in the long run, though it can. But give them something. And then bring them back to it again later on. Because then the next time they show up, it's like, ah, they're there. But the player's like, oh, that was a lot of fun last time they showed up. We did something really cool. You know, we all got turned into merry men and got to run around in the holodeck. And uh, 
you know, uh, more forgot to break a break a a, a loot, you know, that loot. sort of thing. Yep, do that thing again, you know, um, that kind of thing. We all got to cosplay. So that was our look at the cosmic jerk. We hope that if you're brave enough to try this adversary out, some of our advice will help you make it an enjoyable story. Good luck. All right, let's check in one more time with the chat room before we head off to the conversation corner. So Sunda said uh, <clears throat> another key with the characters, would why the characters wouldn't use it, has to be that they, in character, understand the consequences. Maybe it uses the life force of their friends. Will it change them permanently with no going back? Will they have to leave and join the continuum instead of staying with their friends? These are kind of good questions you can throw into the mix. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> actually. Really? The chat the queen, did not like the word jerk. All right. I, I think we we turned on the default um, yeah. language filter. I think jerk just gets thrown in there with the... Uh, that's fine. With That'd some of those. So that's fine. Yeah. And Andy says if they were running a game, they would totally put a cosmic jerk in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a challenge. Like yeah. I said, it's not for everybody, but it can be done. Like With a good jam, it can be pulled off. Yeah, exactly. it can be. It is It is like Ted's uh, It's like Ted. Ted's red cowboy boots. <laughs> totally pulling them off. <laughs> that's what you should be doing, Ted. You should be pulling them off. I do like in the good. I do like in the good place. There is also a red pair of cowboy boots. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if that was a nod to how I met your mother. Or how I met your mother? I don't know. Name. That's funny. Well, By I the way, tell- uh, let me yeah. ask the question: When you see the town, especially in season one, is that not Fairhaven? There are definitely resemblances to Fairhaven. Yes, definitely resemblances. My well, guess are, is so- yes. For those, for those who, who just to bring everybody up to date on that, in those of you who did not get a chance to watch the Star Trek Voyager watch party with us, um, Fairhaven was a fictional holodeck community that the Voyager crew made up. And in the good place, it looks like they used a lot of the same set, which is amazing. Just yeah. it's, it's it's really cool uh, that they used the same set and and left them there, I think, deliberately. So just not, so not everybody's seen that part of Voyager. Yeah. So. No, it is um, It is most noted for um, the first Fairhaven episode, which includes uh, the infamous delete the wife yep. uh, reference. Yes, mm-hmm. that was glorious. <laughs> oh, Janeway. Anyhow, yeah, if I was going to, uh, uh, I would do a, a cosmic jerk character if I was running a game, but I would do the... Um, the obnoxious, helpful one who really wanted to like loves the party and, and like is a huge fan. It's like, I want to help. And and just fucking makes everything worse. Causes chaos. I've decided to become an adventurer. That's right. Yeah. You've what? Yes. I've decided to become an adventurer and I'm joining your party. But, 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 but. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's always been a fan theory. I don't think it's that, that, Loki's entire motivation in the Avengers was to make sure the Avengers were ready to take on Thanos when he showed up. That, I mean, that's the reason. That's the reason Loki doesn't use his powers to his to his best against them, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't. While that would be wonderful, I don't think that a. I don't think that any, anybody was planning that, and b. It doesn't fit with other stuff that's going on. But that's exactly the kind of thing that could happen. Yeah, the adversary could. Oh. Cosmic adversary is a reason the player characters got together in the first place. Sure. Cosmic jerk. Cosmic jerk yep. puts a group together. Yep. There you go. There you go. Let's I Avengers like that this too. thing up. 
<laughs> oh, oh, that was what you wanted to mention, Phil. Beyonder. In our discussion beforehand, we talked about this, the Beyonder. <laughs> I don't know if he's, so in the first one, he's definitely not a cosmic jerk because he's not really much of anything. He's like more like a MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. And in the second one, I think there's a couple issues in Secret Wars 2 where he's a jerk, but then like sometimes he's just a dude, then he's a baby, then like that that series is terrible. All like the map. there's nothing there I can't mine anything out of that um out of that series cuz it's it's see Secret Wars 2 is bad. Yes. Bad. Very very bad. Not good, very bad. Very bad. Very bad. Very bad. The first one, very good. Yeah. The second one, very, bad. Very bad. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Secret Wars 2 sucks. Yeah. All right. And, and to be clear, we're talking about both the 80s Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2, not the um, later one. Yeah, not the, the aughts. Not the aughts one, because the aughts Secret Wars 2 is less bad. <clears throat> Might be good. Yeah. I haven't. I didn't finish it, but it's an interesting idea. But the yeah, 80s yeah. one's bad. Yeah. Just bad. All right. Let's jump on into the conversation corner here. All right. So as I stated up top, um, for anybody who did hear it, I don't remember if that was during the gap when the show wasn't actually streaming. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, I finished Community. Um, while I enjoyed the show overall, season six was underwhelming. Um there are there are a lot of problems with it in my mind, um, but overall enjoyed the show. Glad I watched it. Um, I, I finished three seasons of The Good Place now in a span of like thirty six hours. Dude. It does that. It does that. I, it's compelling. I literally got to the end of an episode and was like, "Oh, I got to know what happens in the next one." And then finally, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, "I got to go to bed. Tomorrow's Tuesday. I got to." I don't want to give anything away for Jerry because I know Jerry's not as far along as you are, but Maya Rudolph is also hilarious. Maya Rudolph is awesome. Um, It's just, just so well written. Um, The actors are all great. The characters are all great. I think it's the thing that we talked about before the show, which is I think a lot of the episodes, especially during season one and early season two, the the story of the episode ends and they kind of begin the next episode and then roll the credits. And that's why it's tough to not watch the next episode because you get a little bit of a, oh, yeah. this is another story starting. And then, especially when you're streaming it, and I'm like, wait, d- d- did I miss the end of the last episode? Nope, nope, there's a credits. And then it starts the next one, I think, <clears throat> which is a, a really good writing technique and a good gaming technique. Yeah. Give them a little taste of what's coming next week. Yeah. Go ahead. Good times. Um, yep. uh, six episodes through Cowboy Bebop, I think. Um, really mm-hmm. enjoying that. It's a good time. Um I will probably by Friday knock out the uh, the remaining four episodes. Finish that up. Um, Prodigy is is entertaining. I know there's there's some people that are having some problems with it, and um, not everybody's getting into it. Um, there's a variety of reasons. I mean, it's definitely aimed at kids. Mm-hmm. It is it is designed to be a kids show to show on Nickelodeon for a younger audience. But I'm enjoying where they're going. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the development of the, the, the quote unquote main character so far, Dal, um, it, it is an ensemble cast, so it's not like there's just one primary character. 
Um, but Dale's kind of been the focus of the first couple of episodes, just from the, the mm-hmm. nature of the, the way the story started. Um, and he's not really a likable character yet. He's got a lot of flaws. He's got a lot of problems. But uh, I can see the trajectory that they've got planned out for him. Like, you, you can see where they want to go. So I'm looking forward to watching them do it. Um, and, of course, Discovery Season 4 um, started with a bang. I know there's some yep. people that did not enjoy that. <laughs> um, but I found it to be entertaining. I'm enjoying it and looking forward to the rest of it. Um, I did some brick therapy. I built the uh, the Lego pirate ship that I just got. Um, that was a fun build. It looks really I want to cool. see that in detail. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll take a couple of pictures and send them to you. I'll put them in a Slack channel. Um, that was a fun build, and, and it looks really cool. It came out nice. And then, as Phil mentioned, uh, we sat down to do some Cortex world building. I like doing what we did where we sit down and we brainstorm high level, like, what is this this scene, uh, uh, blah, 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 setting going to be like? All right, we're going to have a bunch of uh, of, of systems that are all in close proximity to each other. And, you know, we've got like a primary planet in each one of them that we're going to detail with like, what is the, the biome situation on this planet? What it is about this planet that's interesting? What kind of, of species are on it? And that kind yep. of stuff. Um, and I love doing that kind of world building. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I think when you do that before you play a game, you get if everybody's contributing to that, you get a lot deeper investment when you get to character development um, in session zero. You get a lot deeper investment from the players in what's going on because they helped put the whole thing together. It's just a, a process that I really enjoy, and I'm looking forward to getting into the cortex nitty gritty as well. I got to start mm-hmm. reading through some of that book, but uh, definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to it. It was, a, it was a fun session. What about you, Jerry? Um, I'll start with, I I also enjoyed Cortex. I, I love community world building in general. I mean, there are games about it, like Microscope, but I just like it as a thing. I like the way that Phil did it, where he gave us each a 3 by 5 card and said, okay, design a world. There's four worlds. Each you design one of these worlds. Just design the, the biome and the structure and what about it is involved with ancient technology. Um, and then we read them all off. He took them all back and gave us each a different one, not the one that we worked on, and said, okay, now create the species for that world. And so each world has their own alien species, and we tied each of them into how they relate to the uh, to the ancients. And so we ended up with what? We ended up with a, a near-human race. We ended up with reptiles that had spines. We ended up with reptobirds and rock people, I think, Yeah. on the, the floor. Um, as just four of the races that we could be, that we don't have to be. It was a lot of fun because it gave people a chance to kind of explore and design and so on. And the fact that you built this world, but now you're designing a race for somebody else's world. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, I'm on episode nine of 10. Um, I figured at, at, at midnight last night, it was time to go to bed. So uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I enjoyed the anime a lot. Um, this is different than the anime. Uh, but it do, in no way ruins it. Um, I think that you can enjoy both of them. And um, I think they captured, they definitely captured the look of the show. They captured the setting of the show, this kind of uh, Firefly-esque kind of uh, backwards Mars thing, or uh, backwards uh, like Western thing. Um, I actually 
get a little better feel for the world of Cowboy Bebop with the TV series. Um, I get a better feel for where they are and what's going on. Um, but characters show up that I liked, and the action's fun, and it's it's neat. The spaceships are cool. Um, it's a lot of neat stuff. It's definitely a gameable universe. You could definitely run a game in this thing. Um, uh, I did my own uh, brick therapy. Um, I've been looking at cleaning up the basement every week. I get a little more done. I'm working on redoing the Lego room. And I'm looking at taking a lot of uh, Lego sets that I have that are some of the sets that aren't complete buildings. A lot of the sets like the Friends sets that are basically just, with the Friends sets, you're lucky if you get two walls and a roof, um, as opposed to some of the bigger Lego sets where you get a full building. And so I've been collecting on eBay various little sets, and I'm going to be building actual full Lego City style um, shops and stuff using some bits. So I've got a whole bunch, I think I've got like 18 Lego sets coming to me in the next couple of days that I bought all cheap on eBay. So I've been doing some design work, trying to figure out how to make them all fit on the standard. Um, Lego has their own, like a building fits on this kind, a building for the city is going to fit on this kind of a template. And so you have an idea of, so that it can all line up together. And so I've been working on that, which has been a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of the, you know, rolling up your RPG character side sort of thing ahead of time for the Lego sets. So um, <clears throat> been playing a lot of Minecraft, just kind of exploring the world. Um, Thanks to Tony, who uh, the Rainmaker, who gave us all basically unlimited power. Um, it's easy to do my favorite part of Minecraft, which is exploring. Um, but last, yesterday I found a, there's an area where for some reason the world spawned and the top like eight layers of this big plane were missing. So it's all just exposed ore. So I've been shamelessly mining the ore. <laughs> and uh, Bob and Phil helped me build some machines the other night and get things up and going. So I've been having fun with that. Um, I'm, I actually started The Good Place last week and got um, up to a couple episodes into uh, season two, and that was just something I did sitting down to kind of have in the background and ended up watching, like I said, all of season one and part of season two in one sitting. It's very, very bingeable. Um, and uh, uh, watch Prodigy. Um, I think episode five, which was last week, was a nice step in the right direction for what I'm looking for out of a Star Trek series. I think that they did a good job of making most of the characters more well-rounded um they did some cool stuff they kind of finally got the band together and uh dale showed some promise he he, he backs a little, little bit but they corrected some of that at the end and i liked that um and Bisco, of course start out great i i love without giving any spoilers i love it um while i do see the complaint that people have that it seems like every season of disco is oh my god we have to stop a, a threat to time and space that's what disco is and enjoy it because the characters are wonderful the settings are interesting i have no idea who the adversaries are this season but um they came out strong and the characters have all um advanced a little bit they've all grown uh but haven't changed um and even some of the characters that um weren't on that that, that you didn't expect to see this season they've gone to show what's going on with them in the background so it should be fun Anyway, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's episode. And, of course, we're gearing up for tomorrow, because what drops tomorrow? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. That's huge. So, As if I don't Phil? have enough to watch. All right. Um, there's a lot of overlap here, so I'm going to just try to bounce through these. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, I'm loving it. Um, I'll say this. If you're a Cowboy Bebop purist, don't watch. Don't go back and watch the anime. It's also on Netflix. Um, if you just like Cowboy Bebop, right, watch the, watch the live show. Um, yeah. I think it's fantastic. I'm enjoying it immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any complaints about it. I'm just like, for me, it's pure joy. 
like just enjoying it. Yeah. Um, before Cowboy Bebop dropped, I was watching um, some uh, season one X-Men, the animated series. Uh, animation's a bit rough. Um, Will be. It's not, ex- it's not exactly accurate to how some of the characters' powers work. Um, but you can see that these writers had clearly read past X-Men episode like issues and were like trying to work in mm-hmm. stuff from past ones. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever be happy that they went with Jubilee over uh, Kitty Pride. Um, yeah, because I'm a huge Kate Pride. I'm a huge Kate Pride fan. Um, I have always been a Kate Pride fan. So um, a lot of what you see with early Jubilee is a lot of what um, early Kate Pride was. So yeah, not you sure. Have, you also have to understand that what was going on at the time, though. I mean, Jubilee was the hot new stuff. She was running around with Wolverine in the comics. She was created by Jim Lee. So, I mean, there was a lot of, she was, she was the hot new property at that time. So I can understand why they went with her. It made sense at that time to do it. I get it. I'm still, I'm a Kate Pride guy myself. And for all of its flaws, that friggin' that intro music slaps. Still one of the best (laughs) intro songs ever. Um, Much like, um, much like Cowboy Bebop. It's an intro song I rarely skip through. Um, I did not skip through any of the Cowboy Bebop ones. I've, only occasionally skip the X-Men animated series one. Most times I just let it play. I'm like, it's cool. Um, so yeah, very much that disco season four, episode one. Um, I'm 50, 50 on this while I understand. So first of all, I love disco. I'll always love disco, but while I understand that every disco episodes, like every season's one big giant thing, I, I thought the destruction of that whole planet was heavy handed. Oh, spoilers, like, spoilers, spoilers. I'm, I just said some planet, right? I just thought it was a bit heavy handed. Um, I, I wasn't thrilled with it. There are other big ways to have been like, oh, this is a big thing. I just thought that one was like a little just like, I get it. We need an inciting incident. Bam. Like, I feel like you overdid. Like, I feel like you overshot the inciting incident on that. Like, I think there, I think we could have done some other, I think we could have done something similar, but toned it down a bit. I, I would have been okay with, but that said, it is part of what disco is. Um, I totally love the opening. the The opening sequence with the captain mm-hmm. um, is fantastic, um, and the rest of it was was good as well. Also, I'm pretty sure that two characters are in love on that show, and it, and I think they tip their hand in that episode. Ship them. Um, <clears throat> what's that? I said ship them. Oh, I'm shipping those too hard. Like as soon like I, I I thought it, and then somebody posted it on Twitter, and I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm not the only person who picked up on that. Like. There are some glances during that show where I'm like, hmm. Anyway, um, I finished Narcos Mexico. Um, I was actually super happy to finish it. I binged like four hours of it on um, Saturday night after I got my house cleaning done. Um, again, I know not everybody likes this, like likes the type of show. Um, I love this type of show. Um, I really liked what they did with the with the. I think this is the last season of like the whole thing, and I'm. I'm I have feels about that because I really enjoy the show, but like, I assume it's a lot to put together. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it did leave itself open actually for a fourth season. Like I, they could just pick it up and keep going with the Sinaloa cartel, but um, it was really good. It also brought to light some other historical things about Mexico during the, um, during the nineties, which is when it takes place, um, which I actually thought was, um, was really uh, well done as well. There's a plot line that's, that runs through it that for the longest time, I'm like, 
I don't understand what they're doing with this. Like, I understand the plot line, like the plot line is pretty straightforward, but I like, I don't understand what the purpose of it is in the, um, in, in this, in this season. And they bring it together at the, in the last episode. And it's like, Oh, I did not realize that was a thing. And now I'm going to go read up on it. Like, I like, you know, like when the episode was done, I did what I think they hoped it would do. I like opened Wikipedia and was like, I need to like, I need to know about this now. So um, it was interesting that in that respect, but I really like Narcos Mexico. I will probably watch all six of those, um, the three Narcos Colombia and the three Narcos Mexico's again at some point. Um, They're just really well done. Like they're well acted. They're beautifully shot. Um, I, I really like, I really like them overall. Um, I, I finished the good place. I think when we last recorded, I was like 30 minutes from the good place finale. Like I finished that. Um, I'm going to tell you, Bob, brace yourself. Yeah. I, I'm already girding for the, uh, for the punches. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Bring tissues. Oh yeah. You will not be okay through the finale of that show. <laughs> I've already, I've I, already shed some tears. So I mean, I got to a point where I was like watching it all of a sudden something happened in the finale. And I was like, wow, I'm so not okay right now. Like I'm really like, I was very moved by it. Uh, the other thing I did was a um, downloaded for my PS4 star Wars battlefront two um, as a shoot 'em up game for my son and I to play. Um, when we had the 360 here at the house, uh, we were playing halo in the evenings together and That's I wanted awesome. something that we could sit and um, shoot things up with. So I got Battlefront 2 and we started playing it and running around, blowing up stormtroopers and blowing up rebels and stuff. Um, my son started the campaign and I didn't realize the campaign was going to be that good. Um, I now have to go start the campaign <laughs> because it's really good. Like it's a cool story and um, it goes places. And um, I was impressed with it. So I'm like, oh, well, it's not just to shoot them up. Like it's also pretty good. Um, also I need a lot of practice and I think the intro, I think the campaign kind of weans you into the controls and shooting things. Cause I was, I was kind of hapless out on the battlefield a bunch of times. Um, I also am old and I'm lacking some of the Twitch reflexes that my son is. So I routinely in points do not rack up as much points. Also, I usually let him play when the Jedi or Sith characters get unlocked, I let him play those and you can kill a whole lot of people with those. So I think he like pads a score, but all the same, I, uh, but all the same, it's fun game. It was fun game. And it was super cheap. I think for Xbox and PlayStation right now, it's like four 99, like for the digital download, like it was a steal and it's beautiful looking. So I think that's mostly me. I think that's it. I don't have anything else. What do you guys got? Uh, Yeah, I think that's it. All right, Coolio. Let's roll into the Patreon shoutouts. Thank you so much to the old school DM, our very own Sean Merwin, the Mad Wizard, Troy Sandlin, Zach Goins, Carlos Martin, Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Simon, Mirko Froelich, and Andrew Demps. And thank you to everybody for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's Time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch where you can <clears> chat <throat> with other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. If you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mystery Mark Network, such as There is Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone Sword Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panda's Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Jean Who Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and 
the excellent back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our amazing sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Knights, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. Indeed, indeed. And before your cosmic jerk sweeps their hand and creates all sorts of chaos for your players, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly on the old-fashioned emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhengu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhengu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. Meow.